The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome and Happy New Year. Happy 2010. I'm very, very excited about what this year holds for so many of us because it is a year of action and excitement, expansion, and connecting to our intuition in a greater way. Tonight's show is especially endearing to me because I have Neil Donald Walsh on, and he is instrumental in a lot of my own personal growth simply because he is had written the second book that actually really impacted my life. I read his series the first of his series, Conversations with God, in my early 20s. And it was at a time when I was searching and asking lots of questions. And because we attract what we need when we need it, whether we are conscious of it or not, this book somehow fell into my hands and really opened the doors and the eyes and the senses to the questions and answers that I needed to hear. What was more profound and really embedded within me a consciousness that I was carrying and a little afraid of speaking forward about was that there is a string of truths that resides in all faiths, in all religions, and it's those truths that really are what we need to cling to and what we need to allow ourselves to open up to so that we can have the compassion for humanity and the rest of the world and truly know our power. And when I read Conversations with God, what struck me was this is truth. This is no different than what I have been taught, and it simply confirms that this is what we all should know. So I'd like to welcome Neil Donald Walsh to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Neil. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. I am I'm really just honored to have you here because everything you've written in those books several years ago, many years ago, that were really given to you uh, as answers at a time when you needed them, in a sense, are some of the beginning of the teachings of, of what many of us hear now from so many of the teachers in so many other places. And so you're one of the forefront beginners uh, of the movement to really open up this consciousness that needs to happen on a continual basis as we move forward for humanity. I'd like for those that don't know perhaps a little bit about your story for us to go into some of that story and how you initially got into those conversations with God. Well, uh, Simran, it started uh, many years ago now when I um, woke up one night uh, and in a, a fit of frustration, and I was very angry about life. I thought, gosh, you know, uh, I've, I've played by the rules. 
I've done all the things that my mom and dad told me that I needed to do to, to get through life in, in an efficient and effective and appropriate way. And, and, I, and on, I, as I said, I've, I've, I've obeyed all the rules, and yet nothing is working in my life. My relationship is falling apart. My uh, career is, falling, is, you know, is uh, going downhill. My health is not good. What, what, what does it take to make life work? I recall I was uh, going through a particularly rough period where I was actually threatening to fall into uh, into chronic depression. Several months where nothing was working out for me on any of those levels, not in relationship, not in livelihood, not in health. Just all of life seemed to be simply falling apart, and I was not happy. And I, 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 was, I woke up one night very angry about it, uh, trying to find some answers. I, I wound up sitting on the couch in a darkened living room at 4.20 in the morning. And I began calling out in my head, just kind of like screaming in my mind, as as people sometimes do. And I was asking, "What does it take? What does it take to make life work?" And come on, I mean, you know, what have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? Somebody tell me the rules. You know, I'll play. Just give me the rule book. And I was very angry. And uh, with that, I heard a voice uh, over my right shoulder. And, I, and the voice said, Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions? Or are you just venting? And I looked around, and of course there was no one there. And I, I, I got scared for a moment. But then uh, that initial fear, like who, who just said that? Or worse yet, nobody said that. Have I started to actually imagine things, which is even more scary at some level. But that early fear, that initial fear dissipated very quickly, and suddenly I was overcome with a feeling of enormous calm, inner peace, I would describe it as a deep, deep serenity, uh, overcame me, such that I, I, I began, uh, I, I, tears began to come to my eyes, just, just a, a slow, gentle weeping of uh, the weep of intense serenity and peace, just like it's going to be all right, everything is fine, And uh, if I had to find words for it. And I'm in the presence of something quite remarkable. That was what it felt like. And and then I uh, realized that my mind was filling up with answers to the questions I had asked. So I took a yellow legal pad that was on the coffee table in front of me and began writing down what I imagined myself to be, how do I put this, hearing or receiving and uh, I was now that voice that I heard outside of myself, if I could describe this, moved inside of my head. And it began to sound like the voice of my own thoughts, the voiceless voice of our own thoughts. That doesn't really have a particular characteristic, but our thoughts are formed by that voiceless voice nonetheless. And I began writing down what I was hearing in my mind in answer to my questions. And some of what I was hearing was bringing me to other uh, other questions. In other words, I found myself, uh, as I was hearing this, first I decided to write it down. Thank goodness. I don't know what what caused me, what impelled me to do that, but I, I started writing down on the yellow legal pad what I was, quote-unquote, hearing in my mind. And then I would find myself arguing with it a little bit once in a while, like, wait a minute, what does that mean? Or I don't understand this. Or how can that be? So I, I would write down my own responses to what I was hearing, and then I would get an immediate reaction to my response, and pretty soon I realized that I was involved in an on-paper uh, dialogue, question-answer, question-answer, question-answer. And I, and I, I began to uh, notice that, that this dialogue was uh, profound. It was bringing me information, insight, 
understandings that I never, ever had before, ideas that I never saw anywhere before, never received anywhere before. As an example, to give you one example, there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments. Not a thought that I had ever heard anywhere, uh, and uh, in fact, quite to the contrary, the opposite of every thought I had ever heard from my culture, from my family, from my religion, the exact opposite. And not only did, did, did this voice tell me there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments, but it said what uh, it explained itself. It said what there are is the Ten Commitments. And when I asked, well, how can there be no such thing as the Ten Commandments? Almost every major religion on the face of the earth recognizes some kind of in- instruction that we've received from deity. And many, uh, at least two of the religions, call those the Ten Commandments. And, um, and God said, who, who would I command? If there's no one but me, who would I command? And for that matter, if there's no one but me, that is, if we are all one, who would I punish if the commandments weren't kept? And and uh, so I began to I began to discuss that I began, I said well who 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 said we're all one Yet what you're saying makes sense but I never heard that we're all one no religion teaches that I'm the same as God or that I'm one with God and God said yes I understand that no religion taught uh, that but in fact that's what's true there's only one of us. Well, I'm going to interrupt you one second, Neil, because there's so many points that I'd like to go back on. And one in particular is I think a lot of people could identify with the beginning part of your story with the relationship issues and why is life like this and why is it such a struggle. But then even if someone hears the voice, what let you trust that? What let you listen to that? How can we help people to connect to the messages that they're starting to receive, because you definitely say that we all can have conversations with God. That's the whole point of the, of the conversations with God dialogue, by the way, is that God is talking to all of us all the time. That is its single major point and its single most important point. We have never lost touch with deity, and we never will. We couldn't possibly, because deity is us, and we are it. So we, we can't lose touch with ourselves. We can't lose touch with it. We can think that we have lost touch. We can imagine we've lost touch, but in reality we have not. The answer to your first question uh, is, uh, I, in my case, I didn't have to trust. It wasn't a matter of, gee, I wonder how I can trust this, because I wasn't intending it in particular to do anything with it. I was merely having an experience. It's like having an experience of walking in the rain or having the experience of responding to a wonderful piece of music, listening to Mozart or listening to any music that you really enjoy, and responding favorably to it. One wouldn't say, how can you trust that? It's just an experience I'm having. So trust wasn't the issue. Trust wasn't in my, in my mind at the time. I was simply having an experience of asking questions and receiving answers. The only time that trust became an issue was when I realized that these were going to be published around the world. Then I began to wonder, oh my golly, what if those answers can't be trusted? And now I'm putting this out you know, to a global community. Oh, my gosh. Sure. So, but, but when I had the initial experience, trust wasn't the issue. Now, however, God did give an answer to the question, because I said, how do I know this is coming from uh, you know, a godly source? How do I know this is coming from a, pl- a place of wisdom, from deity, and not just uh, from some other place that might exist in the universe, or for that matter, my own mind? How do I know this is not my own imagination? First of all, in answer to the first question, how do I know this is coming from deity? God said, you can tell that the information you're receiving is coming from the highest source because it will always be a place of great love, great joy, uh, fearlessness. There will be no fear involved. It doesn't consider what can I lose here. Uh, and it, So it always brings you peace, love, and joy. 
as your overall experience, and there's not a, a moment of apprehension uh, behind it. And uh, so I began to realize that, uh, and when I asked, how do I know this is not just my imagination, the answer I got from God was, well, it is. Actually, it is your imagination. What makes you think I would stop at using your imagination? I would stop at nothing. Where do you suppose Mozart's music came from, if not his imagination? Where did Pablo, uh, Pablo Casal's wonderful uh, art come from? Where did Picasso's work come from? Where, where, where do you suppose anything that's great, that's created, whether it's words or ideas, images, thoughts, paintings, music, where does all creation come from, if not your imagination? So God said to me, why would you eliminate your imagination as a channel through which you might bring these extraordinary messages? So I realized then that imagination and creation are the, really the same thing, two words for the same thing and that it was perfectly okay if I was imagining this. The issue then became not, am I just imagining this, but is there any value to what I'm imagining? And that's the real, the real question. And, uh, you know, seven and a half million books have been sold in 37 languages uh, around the world. So apparently, one or two people feel that there is some value in what I have imagined. So I am imagining now that it's okay uh, to imagine that I'm having a conversation with God. Absolutely, and we are all one, so who would God punish? Why wouldn't God have conversations with all of us? The Conversation with God series books are among the most profound ever written. They have sold millions of copies in over two dozen languages around the world. For those who seek to explore the nature of God, the universe, and our own existence, here are the questions that we all want to ask. And here are the answers that not only make sense, but also speak directly to your heart with knowledge and observation that rings true, written so simply and so beautifully that it will take your breath away. I urge you to definitely pick up Conversations with God, and you will start to see what resonates within your own heart as truth. I will be right back with Neil Donald Walsh. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome back. As you know, 1111 Magazine was started because I began seeing certain numbers, 1111, and those were my dialogue with the universe, God, source, whatever you would call it, in the way that I knew how as a young child. And as I grew up, that dialogue continued every time I need confidence confirmation about something, I would simply ask my question, the 11111 or 1111 would show up and I would know if I was to continue or if I was to stop and and not move forward on a particular item. I'd like to invite you to pick up a copy of 1111 Magazine and use it as a wonderful tool of support. You can pick them up at Barnes & Noble nationally. And we have a wonderful feature of an interview by Peter Beamish on Neil Donald Walsh for a DVD that was created called God's Latest Scribe. And uh, you can also learn about how to get that DVD through that article and read some of the dialogue of the interview that took place. It's absolutely wonderful. You can also subscribe to 1111 Magazine at 1111mag.com. The Conversations with God first book tells a lot about what we're dealing with in the, the very beginning of our questions. And as you move forward, you can go into book two, which would deal with more global topics of geopolitical and metaphysical life. And then there is book three, which goes a little bit deeper. If you'd like to know more about Neil Donald Walsh, you can go to his website, which are his initials, ndwhome.com, and find out about all the wonderful things he's doing. And I will mention some of those other things as we go through the show. But for now, I'd like to welcome you back, Neil, and I'd like to continue our conversation uh, that we were having. And one thing that you said was that there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments. There's Ten Commitments. In the interview that we had in 1111 Magazine, you made another strong statement, and that was that God does not really care one way or the other what we do, that that's one of the biggest illusions of man. And you spoke so much about experience being a part of your uh, wonderful journey to connect to God. So is that the whole point of us being here, just to experience? So it really doesn't matter what we do? The whole point of our being here, as I understand it, is to express and to uh, create anew who we really are. That is, to put it in simple terms, to know ourselves as divinity. 
to the degree that that is the purpose of life. That, that is, I want to put it directly, God is using life in physical form as a means of knowing itself. In its own experience, God, of course, knows itself, but God chooses to experience what it knows of itself. To put it in human terms, you might know yourself to be sharing, a warm, compassionate, caring person. But if you're on a deserted island someplace and there's nobody else around, not even an animal that you could bestow your love on, after a while you would yearn for the experience of yourself. That's why we are collective creatures. That's why we join each other in collectives known as families and communities and neighborhoods and states and nations because, and cultures for that matter because we, we need each other in order to experience who we really are, to experience ourselves. Absent another, we are not. And that's very true in a very real sense, which is why in prisons, uh, God bless them, the, the, the worst kind of punishment that a person can receive is solitary confinement because you can't know yourself when you're all by yourself. And God faced the exact same dilemma in the universe, can't know himself when she's all by herself. So the only, only way to know herself was to recreate himself anew in uh, physical form and in such a wide variety of physical forms that, it, that uh, God could know itself in all its many manifestations. That, in short, is the purpose of life. Now, it does not matter what we do in the broadest sense. That is, there's no way to, to uh, offend God because God is the all of it. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the up and the down, the left and the right of it, and the all of it. So, on the other hand, if our purpose in an individual incarnation or lifetime is to express and experience who we not only know ourselves to be, but who we now choose to be as we recreate ourselves anew in the next grandest version of who we are, then in a subjective sense it will matter, obviously, what we do. And that built-in sense of mattering is a part of our daily experience. That is, when you are not your highest and best self, you know it. There's a voice inside. When I was young, a youngster, they call that the voice of your conscience. But there is an internal guidance system that knows every time we step off of the path toward self-realization, when we act in a way that is not even in accordance with our own highest thought about who we are, a voice speaks to us immediately and says, you know, it doesn't matter objectively. That is, the universe isn't going to come down now and punish you in some way nor is there going to be any judgment after you die, and they're going to remember that on that day in January 2010, you told a little fib, or you told a little white lie, or you, or you, or you ran a red light, or whatever you did that you didn't think was okay. Uh, no one's going to punish you for it. So in that sense, it doesn't matter. There's no system of punishment for your so-called misdeeds. But it will matter to your soul. You'll say, you know what, next time around, I don't want to do it that way. Maybe I won't run that red light. Maybe I won't tell that little fib. Maybe I'll be more true to myself. And in the moments that I begin to make those kinds of course adjustments, those course corrections, in those moments I get closer and closer and closer to my highest imagining about what it means to be both human and divine in the same moment, which is, of course, what every avatar and every master, Jesus the Christ, the Buddha, Krishna, and all the rest of the masters, and all the rest of the prophets who have talked about mastery, Baha'u'llah and, and obviously Muhammad and others, that's what they're talking about, and that's what they're heading for, and that's what they are experiencing. 
Now, for many, they would argue the point, and I know if, when people, if, if they've read the first conversations with God or if they pick it up to read it, one area of the book that gets a lot of people to kind of stop for a second is when you talk about Hitler or if we were to talk about Osama bin Laden or if we were to talk about any terrorists on the planet. That in relation to the collective consciousness that is appearing outside of us, that reality that's appearing that is the reflection of the interior landscape of all of us, how do we then come to terms and reconcile when we have those kinds of things going on in our world and in our lives? What do we do with those people? How do we view them? Well, uh, let's use Hitler since you brought him up. The tragedy of the Hitler experience is not nearly so much that a person like Hitler Hitler came along. The tragedy is that so many millions of people went along. If Hitler came along but nobody went along, he would have been one person who was running around saying some pretty crazy things and doing some pretty crazy things for that matter, but no one was following him, and therefore he had very little, very little power. He was just one misguided individual. And we all have known such misguided individuals in our lives. The real tragedy is not that a man like Hitler came along, as I said a minute ago, but that so many went along. Therefore, we have to ask ourselves objectively, who is therefore to blame and who should be punished? The, the, The person named Hitler who came along or the millions upon millions that went along? If we have to punish Hitler, then we have to punish all the other millions as well, because they were complicit. They were co-creative in the experience that we call the Hitler encounter in life. And the same is true with whether we were talking about Osama bin Laden or anybody else for that matter, both positive and negative. Therefore, we notice that unless you're going to punish a whole stadium full of people, not just a stadium full, but actually a planet full of people, millions and millions of people who agreed with the actions undertaken by the select few that you could name, whether it's Attila the Hun or Osama bin Laden, uh, unless you're going to punish millions of people, even those who are unconsciously complicit, unconsciously cooperative, but nevertheless co-creative. And, and there is no system in place because that's not what was really going on here. The, 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 the conversations with God books make a startling statement. Hitler went to heaven. Hitler went to heaven for several reasons. Number one, there's no place else to go. There's no such place as hell. There's no such place as eternal damnation. There's no such experience as judgment and condemnation and eternal punishment forever and ever. And so that's one reason why why it's um, um, accurate to say that Hitler went to heaven. Although it's it's I am I'm not insensitive to the uh, difficulty of embracing such a notion. But there's there's also another reason. That that when we leave uh, physical form, when when we say that Hitler went to heaven, that does not mean that Hitler did not experience the the outcome of his actions. That he had that he had no direct in, encounter with the outcome of his actions. In fact, when all of us die, we have an opportunity to review our lives moment to moment, and we will experience our life moment to moment, not from the standpoint of where we are, but from the standpoint of what others have experienced as a result of our moving through their lives. That is, as an example, when I uh, move into the so-called afterlife, I will experience this very conversation I'm now having, but not from my point of view. I will re-experience this moment from your point of view, Simran, and from the point of view of every soul who is listening to my words right now. That is, I will experience the effect that I caused and that will cause me, in turn, to learn 
from what I caused and to say to myself, wow, is that really what I choose to put into the space of life the next time around? And, and as a result of that, I will evolve and grow. There is no such thing as eternal punishment, but there is a process of growth. And we engage in that process willingly and happily and joyfully when we get to the so-called other side. The whole purpose of the life experience is to provide us that opportunity for remembering and growing so that we can then continue to evolve and evolution. Becoming a better and better version of ourselves is what we call heaven. And that you bringing up that word experience again, so it was just as much Hitler's choice to have that experience as it was for many of the people that lived at that time in our time to witness or be aware of an experience for, for that of that type for certain reason. And I bring that forward because your newest release, which is a wonderful, beautiful little movie called The Little Soul and the Sun, which was created for children but I think really needs to be watched by everyone all the way up to 105, kind of goes into that. It goes into the fact that some people choose to be someone for us, for us to experience something ourselves. So we're going to get into that in our next segment. I'd like to let you know if you'd like to know more about Neil Donald Walsh and the many things that he undertakes. He has a wonderful website. It is his initials, ndwhome.com. That's ndwhome.com. I'd like to also make you aware, aside from the Conversations with God trilogy that has sold millions of copies in several languages around the world, there is also an incredible motion picture, which I just love, that has now been re-released as a collector's edition with bonus features and the ten most important pieces from that movie that Neil himself dialogues with you. So definitely take a look at that as well. We will be right back with Neil Donald Walsh. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Are you looking for Life's Balance? Look no further than 7th Wave Network. We're bringing you Life's Balance with Shaman M. Let Melody McBride take you on a unique listening experience. You'll explore the world of alternative health. Learn about the many facets of healing. Preventative lifestyles from children to seniors will be discussed on the show. Listen for Life's Balance with Shaman M. Broadcast live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. It's the healthy side of life. Let peace and balance be yours. 
The results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. We need to schedule a bone We'll need to perform a surgery. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Neil Donald Walsh is a modern-day spiritual messenger whose words continue to touch the world in profound ways. With an early interest in religion and a deeply felt connection to spirituality, Neil spent the majority of his life thriving professionally, yet searching for spiritual meaning. He created a wonderful series of books called Conversations with God that have, com- have impacted people around the world and are written in over two dozen languages, selling millions of copies. That has now also been... Uh, created into a wonderful collector's edition of a motion picture where he tells his personal story of having an automobile accident, going through some challenges and tragedy, and eventually ending up on the street, which then leads him back to having the conversations with God. And that is available now with bonus features. You can connect to him at his website, ndwhome.com, and find out more about all of these things. His latest release is The Little Soul in the Sun, a wonderful animated DVD, which actually began as a parable from Conversations with God, Book 1 and Book 3. It then became a children's book after many requests and now an animated film, which can also be gotten so that you can participate in that. And within that little film and that book, whichever choice a person wants to take part in, you help to allow a child or an adult to understand how we sometimes have people in our lives that maybe cause pain, cause us hurt, uh, create situations where we can grow and discover and learn the gifts that we came here to learn. Talk a little bit about how that those parables became the children's book and now this animated film. Uh, Simran, God was helping me to understand that no one causes us pain and causes us hurt that in fact pain and hurt are subjective experiences that we create ourselves in our own reality. <clears throat> the, the proof of that, of course, is that one person can do the same thing to two other people. Person A will react one way and person B will react another way entirely differently, even though the stimulus was exactly the same. So in fact, nobody can cause pain and nobody can cause hurt. I can cause myself to feel hurt as a result of something you can do, uh, something that you do, and the person next to me would not feel hurt at all. So it's all over here, and and that was the point that uh, God was trying to help me understand in the Conversation with God books, the original books, book one and book three. Uh, I was being told a little parable about this. And in in the Conversation with God dialogue, I was also told, God said to me, I have sent you nothing but angels, a remarkable statement that I've remembered all my life since then, meaning that uh, there's nobody out there but, but other people, 
who are acting angelically, if you please, coming to me. I'm drawing people to me. In fact, my whole life, I will draw to me the right and perfect people, places, and events, allowing me to experience at the next level the next grandest version of the greatest vision ever I held about who I am. For instance, as an example, if I want to use my, if I want to experience myself as forgiving, if there's a part of me that knows me myself to be forgiving, listen, you know what? I'm a forgiving, loving, caring, compassionate person. Prove it, though. I mean, how do I know? I mean, I would, supposing I want to experience myself as that, not just know myself as that conceptually, but but know myself as that experientially. If I want to know myself as forgiveness experientially, somebody would have to do something for me to forgive. That's where the little soul and the sun story comes in, because that story speaks of another person who comes into our life in the animated film. It's a, it's a boy who's bullying another boy uh, at school. And that, that little boy comes in and acts as the, the bad guy, so to speak, acts as the, the villain in our piece, the villain of our story whether it's a, a, a bully at school or a guy across the street in, 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 in uh, adult life who's running the company across the street that's competing with ours unfairly and bullying us economically, or whoever it is. And maybe it's our partner in a relationship or whoever it is that we imagine to be mistreating us. And that person comes into our life and acts in a way that creates the perfect situation, allowing us to express and experience ourselves as who we really are at the next level. And that is an understanding that the, uh, that the Conversation with God dialogue gave me in uh, the form of this metaphor, if you please, or this parable that appeared in Book 1 and that concluded itself in Book 3. In that parable, in those books, in, in a very adult way, God uh, caused me to notice that I have drawn these people to myself and that really God has sent me nothing but angels. That is, souls who, how do I put this, volunteer in a sense. Souls who volunteer to show up as the quote-unquote bad guy in my story so that I can experience myself as, as forgiving and compassionate and understanding. And, and I don't always meet the test. I don't always show up that way. But the, all the great masters have, all the great masters and avatars throughout human history have They've understood that not only is the other person not the true cause of their pain and their unhappiness, but that the other person actually often doesn't even know what they're doing. They're not even uh, consciously aware that they are complicit in a magnificent process of self-creation. Christ knew it. That's why he said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that whole idea, that whole concept, is put into a children's story the Little Soul in the Sun, which, uh, and that became a children's book because, to answer your first question, how did it happen, I got so many uh, letters, and the publisher of the book, Conversations with God, books one and three, got tons of letters. And ultimately, when it got to be about 300, they, they called me and said, you were getting so many letters from people saying, couldn't you tell this story, this little parable that appears in these books, as a children's book? It's a wonderful lesson for children to learn, for children to understand why bad things happen to good people. So we produced a children's book. And then, then a Korean company came along about three years ago, and they said to me, this would make a wonderful animated film for children, for television could be used in a variety of ways. And, of course, 
taken right into people's homes as DVDs so that they could play right on their computer. Can we make an animated film out of your book? And I said, of course you can. Uh, and so they did. And, they, and that's how the DVD was, was produced, and they did a wonderful job with it. Yes, they did, and, and I actually sat down with my husband and son and watched it. And it's interesting how children seem to innately already know these things, but as adults, it seems when we grow up, we get very rigid or we move away from what is the truth of ourselves well, because, because of bought, our experiences. Yeah, we, we've bought into the cultural story, of course. It's interesting. The cultural story creates our experiences. Our experiences further the cultural story, which further creates our experience, which further creates the cultural story. It's a vicious circle. One thing feeds another. And we have, it's a very hard, hard uh, task. It's, it's difficult to spin out of that vicious circle and to get back to true knowing. You're perfectly right, of course. Children, if we catch them soon enough before they get caught up in that vicious circle, already know. And often they come to adults and they say, Mommy, Daddy, why are you acting like this? Or why is life this way? Or, or why is such and such happening to us? And so you're, you're, you're right. Children see these movies, these little fe- animated features, and they already know what's going to come in the next scene. They already know what's happening. They, they know all of it. Our job is to keep children in that childlike place, even as they move into adulthood, physiologically speaking. Absolutely. One other point I'd like to bring up about that particular movie and and how it's written as a parable as well is it seems that it's to get us to really take responsibility that we've created these people to come into our life. We've created these situations. They really are for our experience. And if we can get to that place of understanding that we've created it and we've created it because God's coming through us to experience itself in as and through us, then life might not feel like a challenge and a struggle and quite so hard. What do you think about that? I think that? Well, that's, that's, of course, true. It's a difficult concept for people to embrace because they're saying, are you telling me that I'm the fault, I'm the blame of my, of my, my own self being raped when I was 12? Or I'm the blame because that guy came by and stole my car out of the parking lot at the shopping center two weeks ago? Or I'm the blame for all the bad things that have happened to me? I've had people say that to me, and they're very bitter about it. They say, that, you know, what are you trying to tell me? You're making me crazy. It's my fault that these bad things have happened to me? And so we have to be very careful when we start talking about this, because that's a fair, that's a very fair reaction. And I always tell people that, you know what, that's a very fair reaction. So no, it's not your fault, it's not your blame, but if we look deeply at why things happen in the universe, it is possible that we are co-complicit in the creation of, of uh, jointly produced experiences that bring outcomes that are perfect for the evolution of all the souls involved, not just my soul, but for the, to the soul of my so-called perpetrator as well. Because remember, he also is a holy being creating his own experience for a similar reason, we live really in a very, very complex interweaving of interactions and multiple joint creations, very much like the matrix. I mean, I hate to use uh, the term because, it, but, but in fact, we do live in a matrix that that involves many, many people co-creating simultaneously. And so, you know, I, when I counsel with people and I do personal spiritual counseling with people and they say, you know, some, some man uh, broke into my store and, and did so and so and such and such and five people were there and one got hurt and one got scared and one had a heart attack and this guy went to jail for, you know, because they caught him and he went to jail. And they say, why did that happen? And I say, let's examine the story from the point of view of all five people. And you'll see that you're living inside of a very complex matrix that uh, can be explained for the level of the soul if you look at it closely.
So what is it that you are allowing yourself to experience in your life? Are you looking at the people that show up as mirrors, as individuals that are here as gifts that help us to learn the lessons that we're here to learn? Are you allowing yourself to see the possibility that God lives within you and is possibly expressing as you? If these are questions that you have, then I urge you to connect to the Conversations with God trilogy. Allow yourself to read these books and connect to the principles and the thoughts within them. And also, if you have small children, pick up the book, The Little Soul in the Sun, or pick up the animated feature so that you can help introduce these thoughts and concepts to these bright young minds that already know that's who we are and they can stay anchored in those thoughts. To connect to Neil Donald Walsh, you need to go to ndwhome.com. That's his initials, ndwhome.com. We'll be right back to have some more interesting conversation with Neil Donald Walsh. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Just what is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. Find out more on the web at skillsusa.org. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. 
Suppose you could ask God the most puzzling questions about existence, questions about love and faith, life and death, good and evil. Suppose God provided clear, understandable answers. That's exactly what happened to Neil Donald Walsh, and it can happen to you. It is one of his primary missions for the Conversations with God series. You can find out more about him and all of his offerings at ndwhome.com. That's ndwhome.com. There are various movies, including the Conversations with God, Collector's Edition, Motion Picture with bonus features, and also the animated version as well as children's books. Uh, titled The Little Soul in the Sun that you can access. He's done numerous works, and they have sold millions of copies all over the world between them. With our last segment, Neil, I'd like to get into a couple of little bit deeper subjects that really help our our listeners to to tap into where we are globally. You know, how how are we doing with the way that the world is, the state it's in, and the things that are going on? You know, where is mankind right now? What do we need to do to to really move forward and turn things around, so to speak? Well, I think we're at a moment of birthing, uh, Simran. I, I, uh, and birthing can be, in some ways, uh, challenging and painful. Um, but And that's what we're going through now. It, I think we're seeing the rebirthing of humanity, actually. And um, it's a slow process, relatively speaking. Uh, and as I said, can be challenging and painful, but it is also rewarding, and it leads to, of course, the miracle of the rebirth uh, at the end. That's what I see happening now. I think that human beings in increasing numbers, and the number is, in fact, increasing almost every hour, it's just more and more and more people, as each hour passes by, are doing, I hate to use such a trite, hackneyed word, such an overused word, but in fact they are awakening. They're waking up to... Uh, a number of uh, truths. Number one, who they really are, their infinite and uh, eternal connection with the divine, and also to a new way of being human, learning and understanding that there is a new way to express who we are in the day-to-day interactions of life. There's a new way to do politics. There's a new way to do economics. There's a new way to do all of our societal systems. There's a new way to do spirituality and religion. There's a new way to do be human and we're now beginning to see that the old ways of doing all those things have not really worked. They really have, they've never worked. And, and so I think that humanity is now reinventing itself and recreating itself anew. Uh, the, the only uh, uh, challenge that I see here in the long term is whether we'll be able to complete that process of reinventing ourselves rapidly enough to overcome and to win this human race, to overcome the... Uh, obstacles we've placed in our own way to overcome the damage that we're doing every day to our environment, to overcome the threat that we pose to each other every day with the terrible ways in which we interact with each other in some cases, whether it's the death penalty as part of our justice system or whether it's war and uh, as part of our uh, system of uh, uh, political reconciliation with each other or whether it's the terrorism that we see being placed upon the planet by those who disagree with each other about how we should move forward as a collective called humanity. So the question is whether we can outrace ourselves, really, whether we can uh, outrace ourselves toward destruction or whether we will recreate ourselves anew successfully in the years just ahead. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm feeling optimistic about it. I do think that humanity will, in fact, win this human race 
but I don't think it's a time for apathy or just sitting by and watching the process occur. I think we need to, to each play our important singular role uh, in that overall process. What's heartening to me is that I'm seeing more and more people, as I said, doing that. More and more books are being written. More and more programs just like this are being produced. More and more uh, efforts at every level are being undertaken to wake ourselves up and to give humanity back to itself uh, in a new form. So yes. that's, that's exciting to me, and that's very optimistic. It does appear that time is moving faster and that things seem to be manifesting at a faster rate, whether it is the positivity that we hold within our interior landscape or the negativity. It seems like it is all bubbling up that much faster, and there's so much discussion about 2012. Give me your thoughts on that as to what that means to you, because I, I personally don't like all of the fear that is placed around that date uh, for people, especially with some of the movies and things that have been put on the big screen. What are your thoughts on 2012 and this acceleration of time and manifestation? Simran, people have been walking around wearing sandwich boards around Times Square saying the end is near uh, for, for, for many, 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 many years. Uh, people have been, have been forecasting doomsday uh, from practically from the beginning of time, from, from the time of Jesus, and before, from long before that. So uh, I, don't, I don't think that doomsday is coming in 2012 any more than I thought it was coming uh, with, you know, uh, the harmonic convergence, or I thought it was coming with, uh, at, the, at the turn of the, of the uh, millennia, when, when it was all about, you know, the, the collapse of the, of the whole uh, computerized system of the world, uh, uh, and, and all the rest. I, I don't think that, that any of that is going to occur. What I do think is going to happen is that uh, we are accelerating in our shift. I do think there is a shift of consciousness that is occurring on the planet, which is producing in its wake a shift of uh, physical manifestations, a change in the way we are with each other, a change in the way we do, in fact, politics and economics uh, and uh, spirituality and all the ways that we interact with each other collectively on the earth. And I think, for instance, that the... the, the uh, a near collapse and certainly the dramatic alter, alteration of our economic system, of our financial system, we've seen, we've seen in the past 24 to 36 months, <clears throat> excuse me, and we'll continue to experience as the months move, uh, move forward here. That's part of that shift. I think that in the next three to five years, we're going to see more shifting, more really important and dramatic changes economically, politically, uh, spiritually, and educationally, and in every other way we can imagine as we interact as a global society. The election of the first black president of the United States is not a small thing and not a small example of exactly what I'm talking about, as is to reiterate the financial collapse of the past 24 months. Those kinds of changes are going to occur. We could see as well some geophysical alterations of the Earth, not not, not the Earth tilting on its axis or California dropping into the ocean or anything as dramatic as that. We are seeing some uh, smaller impacts, not insignificant ones, as a result of global warming and other kinds of uh, environmental conditions that we need to pay very much more attention to. So I don't see that 2012 is going to be a time of such earthly disaster that we wind up in, back in the caveman era. But I do see... 2012 and the, these, this whole series of years in the next eight to ten years is part of a larger process that uh, is signaling a new evolutionary leap for humanity. It is, as um, anthropologist uh, and author Gene Houston writes, jump time. 
it's jump time. We are jumping to a new evolutionary uh, spiral. We are jumping to a new plateau in the evolutionary process. And we are recreating ourselves anew. And that's an important moment in human history. There's no question about that. And I think that to the degree that we choose to play important roles in that process, to that degree we're going to see an extraordinarily important outcome, a positive one as well. Well, then it seems that even the events that are occurring now, when we want to view them as things that are perhaps bad or tragic or situations that we don't want to experience, even with those, there are the angels and the gifts. And we need to just allow ourselves this wonderful unfoldment, new evolution, new birth that you speak of. Neil Donald Walsh, I'd like to thank you for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure, and you have personally touched my life in in a profound way, as I know you have millions across the planet. You can connect with Neil Donald Walsh at ndwhome.com. That's ndwhome.com. If you have not read Conversations with God, definitely pick that those three books up and once you pick those up you're going to be hooked on anything that neil donald walsh has written i thank you for being with me this week and next week we have jan denise we're going to speak about her new book called innately good because innately we are all good and we are all god until then be blessed Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.